This is Shoulder Charge, a rugby league podcast, and this is episode 19. On the show this week, well, the World Cup. It's off. Sort of inevitable. Also, for the first time in God knows how long, we nearly had a full round of fixtures. I I was certain we were going to have one, and then Warrington and Hull FC went and spoiled the party, so... Yet another week uh, without a full fixture list uh, completed for Super League. There's also all the games in the Championship and League One. Some interesting results. We'll be discussing all that. But first, my guest interview this week is Sheffield Eagles' new signing, Ollie Butterworth. Now, if you're unaware of who Ollie Butterworth is, well... He's currently in the Parachute Regiment in the Army. He's a former GB bobsleigh athlete, represented his country at the World Cup. And he's a former rugby union player with Scarlets and Cardiff Met University. But now he's committing to playing rugby league. And my first question was, where did it all begin for Ollie Butterworth? So, where did you grow up and what what was it like growing up? So, uh, I grew up uh, in Huddersfield originally, um, and then I moved to Wales when I was 10, 10, 11 years old. Um, So, I'm from living in like a big, busy town, literally the most rural place in Wales, with just fields and sheep, and so it was a complete change. Um, But obviously for me, I was just playing sport and Literally doing what every other kid does. Yeah. Uh, so, what was the reason for the move to Wales then? Uh, so we've got family in Wales, right. and uh, so it was. It, it was quite a random, uh, random change, but um, but yeah, we thought it'd be a good, good move, and it's a really nice place in Wales. So. Whereabouts in Wales was it? Uh, West and uh, Newcastle, Emlyn. Right. So uh, you're very athletic and you know successful at several sports, and you're obviously very driven. Uh, were, were you always like that, like at a younger age? Yeah, I was. I was quite a weirdo when it came to wanting to be good at um, every, pretty much every sport. Uh, so I was always, when everyone else was out partying and stuff, I was the one training and, and doing that stuff. So. Um, so I've done that since as early as I can remember. Right. Uh, so what did you want to be when you were growing up then? Uh, so there's two things I've always wanted to do, and that was be an athlete or be in the army. Yeah. And right, doing both of those. So. Yeah, so what age did you join the army then? Uh, I was 19, yeah, 19 when I joined. Right. Um yeah, nineteen years old. So, you you're still part of the army now, aren't you? You've not you've not left. Yeah, yeah, I'm a full time serving paratrooper. Yeah, um, they just released you on a uh, on an athlete's contract to uh, obviously go represent the team you play for and uh, also represent your regiment. Yeah, so basically, just explain what your role of a paratrooper is to anyone who want who don't know. 
Yeah, so as a, a paratrooper, you're, you're classed as the elite of the infantry, so as a, a fighting member of the British Army, uh, and you're classed as the elite. The training is, is a lot harder, um, and it's why when you join, you, you're joining a select number of people, um, and you're, you're the spearhead of the British Army. If anyone needs you to go and do something around the, around the world, um, then they call on the paras to, to go and do that. So, how come you wanted to get into the army? Then, do you have like an do you have an armed forces background in your family or anything like that? No, no, not massively. Um, it's just something I've always wanted to do. Um, obviously, from being a little kid watching all the movies and things <laughs> to um, you know getting older and wanting to actually join, um, it was always yeah, go and be a soldier or go and be an athlete. So. Uh, and where do you stand on the debate, at, like, you know, nature versus nurture? Um, uh, mixed. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've definitely changed throughout the years of what, you know, of what, of what I've wanted to do. But then again, I've had a really supportive um, background. But then again, my family have all, always played sport and done those things. So, um, so it was... A no-brainer that obviously I was going to end up going into a similar field. Yeah, so then you got into bobsleigh for your role in the army. When you mm-hmm. first went there, what was that like? Were you like, were you, were you nervous sort of thing? Um, yeah, I mean it was, um, it was definitely a different experience. Obviously, you don't, you know, it's one of those sports that as a kid you you don't do unless you're yeah. sort of American or German or something. You, you know, you just don't do it as a as a, a British kid. Um, so yeah, it was um, obviously a bit nerve wracking watching people go down a, a mountain at eighty miles an hour, and then you're about to do the same thing. But um, I remember the first time I went down, I actually crashed the first time, right. and then it was probably the best thing for me because it got the nerves out of the way and the sort of what ifs, and then it was it was fine then. So what was the crash like? Was it a bad one or what, how, how no, did it No, it was quite... We were at um, a track in Germany called Koenigsee um, and it was actually one of my mates we crashed and uh, it wasn't wasn't too bad. I've had worse. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of the sports I always watch when the Winter Olympics is on and I think, how on earth do you get, you know, sprinting down that ice and then jumping <laughs> in the thing and swizzling round? And you think, God, yeah. and then you watch the other one where they they basically just on some sort of like tray thing that they fly around head first. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what you know? Would you ever do that? Um, I mean, skeletons normally for your your lot, you know, your lighter people, sort yeah. of eighty kilogram, right. less than that. You can't really chuck a hundred kg plus <laughs> bloke on a dinner tray and throw him down. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so you've done obviously some sort, some kind of you know, uh, daring things. I would describe. Would you describe yourself as like a daredevil type person? Um, people do do ask that, but no. Personally, I just I just enjoy. I don't really see it as like massively, like it. It is obviously gets your adrenaline going, but for me, it's just good fun. Yeah. So whether that does make bit of an adrenaline junkie I'm not sure but uh, it's just good fun for me yeah so when did you first get into rugby 
Uh, I've always played from about five years old. Um, but I'd always played, I'd always watched rugby league, but I always played rugby union. Right. Um, actually, when we moved to Wales, then that's pretty much all union. Yeah. Um, and then I, I stopped playing. Then when I joined the Paras, and then obviously when I started doing bobsleigh for Great Britain. So, do you prefer rugby league then to union or what? I, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely getting swayed that way. <laughs> um, I, I thought it would, I thought it'd be a bit of a mix of both, and I, I do still love playing union and, and watching it, but um, but sort of learning the game a lot more and playing it now. Um, yeah, I've definitely found a love for it. What do you think's better about it than Union? Just the pace of it. Yeah, the, the pace of it. Yeah. Oh, there's more going on, and um, you never really feel like you just stood still for a second. So yeah, it makes it fun. So you you say you watched it a lot growing up. Did you support anyone, or do you still support anyone? Yeah, I was obviously a Leeds Leeds yeah. Rhinos fan <laughs> growing even though I was born in Huddersfield. Yeah. Um, yeah, watching Leeds play. What do you make of them this year? Uh, I mean, they're, they're they're doing okay, I guess. Not not quite how uh, I remember them. Yeah. Ten years ago, when they were winning everything, but uh, all teams go up and down. I guess. Yeah, uh, they've signed a new a good player for next year, anyways. And Aidan Caesar in a half in the halfback. And then yeah, there's been questions over whether Richard Agar is going to stay on or not. I don't know anything, but there's always rumours. But some would say, you know, if they want to get back to where they they were, they they need a better coach. Yeah, I mean, and sometimes that's the, you know, to to get back to where you need to be, you need a complete change in, yeah. in structure and management. Yeah, but we'll see. So you signed for Sheffield Eagles. Um, so where did that come about then? So um, when sort of I was speaking with my agent and looking at where we'd best to go, and uh, um, obviously this opportunity with Sheffield came up, and uh, it it was, nothing was sort of guaranteed. It was actually you know come along, and obviously I'd never played a game of league in my life. So although I've watched it, I've still never played it. So it's um, it's a completely different thing when you actually play the game. And uh, so I, I came on and, and had a trial. And um, uh, and obviously they saw what they wanted to see. And obviously I've got a lot of development left in me. Um, but, you know, I'm really happy that they want to take me on and be, be the people to develop me. Yeah. Uh, so the initial feedback after the trial, what... What did they sort of say? Were they well? They were obviously impressed. Is that didn't you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, obviously one of those things with my athleticism. It, it stands out and sort of speaks for itself. And I think when it comes to like game management and developing as a player and learning the game, that that all comes from them, and that's quite a an easy thing for them to drill into me. Yeah, um, they're that. You know, my athleticism stands out. Yeah. Uh, so, you you did the trial. When was that? Um. Oh, that was June time, I believe. Yeah. So, in between then and now, like, what what have you been doing to sort of like, you know, you've never played it before. What are you doing to like get yourself to where you need to be to be in the first team, basically? Yeah. I mean, obviously 
watching a lot more games and and watching the the analysis on the on the blokes playing at the weekend and just um, sort of trying to learn my role as well um, as a winger and and you know I've got the likes of uh, Ryan Miller to watch you know he's an incredible player so and learning from people like him and then also just listening to the coaching staff during training um, and uh, and yeah just trying to take everything on board as quickly as I can. And how far away do you think you are from, you know, getting on the team sheet? Well, hopefully not that far. And I think, um, you know, Tubbs will at some point give it, you know, hopefully in the next uh, month or so, give me that, give me the nod to, to make my debut. Um, but yeah, like I say, it's it's not something I'm I'm worried about too much. I just want to develop as a player now and um, and be ready for when that opportunity does come. Yeah, I think one of the good points about Mark Aston is he he always makes sure the the younger players get a chance, and you know there's been quite a quite a lot of players you know handed the debuts this year, and even yeah. even when they was in the eighteen ninety five cup, I think a couple of them came through the system. So there's a good you know track record there. Yeah, and, and that was another decision when speaking with Mark before I even went on trial was you know he was. Um, his philosophy around bringing new players in and developing, you know, it, it helps with the longevity of the club and hopefully the club having a lot more success in the future because you've got this fresh breed of players coming in, um, which is, you know, really positive for the club. Yeah, and in terms of yourself, like, um, do you have, like, somebody that you look up to or, like, a hero type figure? Um, I mean, not. I mean, obviously, with, with rugby, you've always got people that you you watch as players. Um, but for me, it's more. I, I just I like to listen to people who've got experience. Um, and obviously, the, the the Eagles coaching staff have got uh, an enormous amount of experience with obviously Mark and uh, and Keith Senior. So, obviously, listening to Keith when I'm on the field, and he'll he sort of shadows me a little bit and. Um, and, you know, just taking all his knowledge on board um, is massively helpful. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you look at any other wingers, like, you know, some in the game, Tom Johnston, everyone's seen his diving tries, and Tommy Makinson as well, Re- yeah. Regan Grace. Yeah, that's it, yeah. And, yeah, so obviously, you know, you always watch highlights of those blokes yeah. and you see them every weekend. Yeah. So, it's, um, uh, so, you know, you can take bits on board from them as well. How are you with the diving tries? Have you tried many? I mean, I'm 108 kilograms, so I, I can still do it, but it's uh, it's not so nice. Yeah, uh, Bevan French is a good one as well. He's well, he's out injured now, but I think last year he was one of the one of the best players. He was certainly, you know, when his name were on the team sheet, you thought, I want to watch what he's doing. Yeah, for, for Wigan that is. Yeah. So, right, um, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Uh, 10 years, I'll be, what, 33 years old. So, sort of coming to the back end of my career. Um, you know, ideally, I'd, I'd, I want to be, at that time, I've played at the highest level in the game. Um, and I want to sort of be at a club somewhere to, to see my career off really and, and hopefully have 10 years of success and, and things to look back on. And 
how do you think you're going to get to that stage then? Uh, you know, like I say, with development and, and listening to these people and, you know, the people that have been there and done it, you know, they've, they've done it for a reason. And um, if you can soak up all their knowledge, then uh, that's the best thing you can do, especially as a young player coming into the game. Yeah, right. Um, moving on to some quick fire questions then. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. First one, uh, what music are you into? Uh, absolutely anything, but uh, I would have to say I, I, do, I don't mind a bit of country music. I can listen to that. Is that modern country or old country? Uh, modern, definitely, right. yeah. So I, I think well, the one country singer I know is like Keith Urban or something like that. See, I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, well, he's supposed to be modern anyway, God knows. Yeah. <laughs> So what artists? What artists then? Uh, I don't mind a bit of Chris Ledoux. He's uh, he's quite good. Right. See, I, I let it's country music sort of before getting too pumped up for things. Yeah. Um, keeps you calm. You can just chill out and uh, and do your thing. Yeah. Uh, and then next one. Um, do you have any superstitions? Uh, this is one that. Is quite weird, but I always put my left rugby boot on before my right one. Right. It's a really weird thing, and I've uh, I don't know why it is, but yeah, that's uh, I guess that can be classed as a superstition. Yeah. How do them things sort of develop? Do you know? It was something I, I remember. I was about sixteen. And I was playing for county, I think, and. Um, I remember doing it and for some reason remembering putting my left one on before my right and then I had a really good game. Yeah, right, yeah. Went from there and it <laughs> became habit then. Yeah. I don't, now I think about it, I just I just sort of do it. So it's um it's, it's weird, but yeah, I guess that classes as a superstition. Yeah. As a fan, it's like, you know, when I watch Bolton Wanderers in football, that is, um, you know, I, I always have to put me... Uh, Bolton t-shirt on but apart from that's about it really it's like you know if I wear this t-shirt we're going to win but well maybe I shouldn't maybe I should take it off with recent years (laughs) (laughs) although we got promoted last year so that's I suppose we're back on back on the up there Uh, next one uh, what would your friends describe you as probably just uh, I don't know just a a gym junkie probably because I just I just love being I love training um, but yeah they'll they, they probably say I'm just I'm just in the gym 24-7 are you one of those who, who's always in the mirror in the gym <laughs> you know showing off your muscles I, and all that honestly I'm not not as bad as people think and I'm definitely not as bad as I've seen the gym run so. yeah uh, so next one uh, what's your embarrassing moment? Embarrassing moment. I would have to say, if it's rugby orientated, I would have to say um, when I was playing for my school team, and it was one of the final games, and there's, we always had this rivalry against one of these teams, and uh, we scored a last-minute try, and it was right underneath the sticks, and. Uh, Instead of going and take getting my tea and kicking, I decided to just drop kick and right. be a bit cocky with it, and it hit the post and came off. Yeah. <laughs> so that was 
that was probably one of the most embarrassing moments. <laughs> I was interviewing uh, Tom Halliwell just on Saturday, uh, England mm. wheelchair captain, rugby league. Yeah. And he uh, he said the same thing, missing the conversion. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's more when trying, you know. There, I was trying to be really cocky and you know rub it in their face and absolutely scuffed it off the post. So. Yeah. Uh, and next one, uh, something people might not know about you. Uh, I used to ride horses when I was. Little, my family's always had horses, so I used to do eventing and dressage and show jumping and all that when I was like 10, well, probably since as early as I can remember till I was about 13, I used to do that. Is there any sport that you didn't actually do? Uh, I, I've always done some, yeah. pretty much everything, especially in school, if there was any team, I would always be putting my hand up for it. So did you not fancy doing the... Uh dressage thing then equestrian whatever it's called no I, I sort of got to an age where uh, horse riding wasn't so cool yeah. in school so <laughs> just uh, I yeah. turned away from it Ollie Butterworth uh, really interesting story that uh, and you, you know one of them players you just think he's destined to you know go go to the top of the game and as, as they say time will tell but I think Sheffield Eagles there have got a good good player with lots of potential, and there's there's no better person to actually um, train under than you know Mark Aston and Key Senior. Moving on, it's official. The World Cup is off. It, announcement came last week, I think Wednesday or Thursday. We it's been postponed till 2022. Now, very very depressing. Don't really want to talk much about it. I've, you know, I've said in in recent weeks why why it should go ahead, why we shouldn't be uh, bowing down to Australia and New Zealand, but they get the way yet again. The biggest frustration about this is we we were constantly hearing from John Dutton, who, well, for me, he's done, you know, he's done the hardest job, and yet. You know he's performed excellently. However, uh, we were we were told that it's going ahead anyway without Australia and New Zealand. And you know if if the players wanted to play, then they'll play. So the survey was that eighty five percent of them wanted to play. So it it mustn't have come down to uh, what the players wanted. And I think it's because uh, of of the significantly reduced uh, TV revenue if because obviously Australia and New Zealand wouldn't have been playing so I'm not sure this uh, the TV agreement for in Australia would have been the same amount so perhaps if if that is the reason then perhaps 2022 is better but I mean you know it just makes you feel sick and that now we're getting reports that Australia and New Zealand are probably going to play um, at the same time as the World Cup would have been on. So that, you know, that just makes, you know. And the problem is, Australia, New Zealand, you know, they've been at the top of their game. But 
what have they done for other nations? Because for me, too many of these nations that are sort of on the periphery, USA, I think there's some massive potential in USA, by the way. You know, with the with American football and, you know, the transition into rugby league isn't actually that big, you would assume. So I think very much untapped potential in USA, you know, France, all these nations. You know, we've got Jamaica emerging now. So many opportunities that have not been taken up um, by the people who run the sport in the Southern Hemisphere. Also, you know, they, they might say, well, look at Fiji and look at Tonga and, and whatnot. Well, yeah, but only because <laughs> some players switched over to play for them in, rather than them actually growing anything. If you go right back to how football began, you know, right in the 1800s, there's a reason why so many um, clubs across the world have England flags or, you know, have English names. Teams in Argentina, you know, a lot of a lot of English people went over to those countries and developed the game. Now, uh, it might have been a different era, but I mean, something like that could easily be replicated, and. The, the sport could grow that way, but there doesn't seem to be an appetite, to be honest. It's, it's Australia, you know, Australia, I think, it's a sort of, I suppose it's like an inferiority complex. They, they seem to be scared to lose the status as being like the number one country. They, they don't, they don't want they don't seem to want to uh, share it with anybody, <laughs> clearly, because they're not bothered about anybody else but themselves. And the worst bit about it was they, ma they made sure that the women weren't going to be coming over either by forcing the women's NRL uh, competition to be played at that time. <laughs> so they've showed complete disregard for anybody themselves and that includes their own players and now the focus is well what do we do then and we've heard from chairman I think Adam Pearson quite earlier on but there's also been further calls that okay we've had a bit of a farcical season um, let's not just try to rush uh, the season being done, let's extend it and actually have a proper season. Well, for me, no way. For me, I think we're all sick of Super League at the moment. An extension of it, <laughs> not for me. You know, we need to get. We just need to get this season out of the way. What we really need to do, what we've been banging on about for so long, is International Rugby League. Now, that can still happen without the World Cup. A tournament can be put on. Those venues are still booked those venues could still be used. So it's not like you're just starting from scratch trying to organise a whole tournament in, what, a, a month or so? So it's it's not that difficult to organise. Also, there's, there's Rochdale Hornets um, 
they were going to stage a warm-up game. England v Fiji. You would have heard uh, Andy Maisie on this podcast quite a few weeks back saying, you know, if that is called off, we'll look to stage another fixture. Hopefully that happens because I've got tickets for it. And I've I've had, you know, I've got about five tickets for for the World Cup as well. Uh, But yeah, it's got to be some sort of mini-series, some sort of tournament. You know, it's what the sport's crying out for. And I suppose, would it be on the BBC? Probably, yeah. They'd probably show it, wouldn't they? Well, they've got a big gap in their uh, scheduling now, so let's get on to them and make sure that it's filled before before they uh, fill it themselves. And how long, how long has Sean Wayne been in the job now? It must be like a year and something, or even longer. Let's find out, let's find out. He was appointed on the 3rd of February 2020, so we're nearly on to two years there. He's been in the role, and what has he done? He's not even. They've have they played. They've played one game. That all that All Stars game. I mean, come on, that's just ridiculous to be honest. Anyway, forget it. Forget the World Cup because it's utterly depressing. Uh, <laughs> right, we'll move on to the uh, Super League fixtures then. Wigan beat Salford, uh, sixteen points to six. Now, I've seen a bit about Wigan in the press saying they've had a slow start, but they're probably going to come good uh, come the end of the season. Well, not sure I share that view. They've lost six games uh, this season, which is quite quite a number, really. Plus, they've got no Bevan French. Zach Hardick has been missing in action. Uh... He's apparently going to Castleford, or some some have even said Featherstone. Uh, so, now, the move to Castleford might be going through next year. However, um, it's quite a number of players to be leaving your club at the end of the season, and some say, well, that doesn't really um, doesn't really change things because they'll still be giving their all for the club. Speak to him, Watson. Well, he, he ain't playing Aiden Caesar now because he's going to Leeds. So it, it clearly does have an effect. Obviously, it's going to affect different players because everyone's got a personality. But for me, it's no good, really. Uh, you've also got the issue of Jackson Hastings at full-back. He's better at half-back, yeah. I think we all agree. John Bateman, he's not been his best. He's obviously coming back from an injury. But before then, was he was he the best? And another issue that yes, there's quite a few issues at Wigan. Do they have big the big men? You know, the uh, for me they're too weak and they don't make enough meters. And and when they do get near the try line, they find it very very difficult to actually put that ball down and break through defenses. And I think if you if that's the extent of your issues, are you going to do anything come playoffs? Better than Warrington, better than Saints, better than Catalans, better than Hull KR? Not for me. And also the coach is going as well, isn't he? So, I mean, that's some 
turnover you've got to do ne- for, for next year, you know, the whole bulk of your squad, pretty much, if if, if everything's confirmed, is going. Will we see Bevan French uh, back? I'm 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 skeptical about that. And who who have Wigan signed? Because we've not heard any big names yet. We we've seen some championship signings, but actually, you know, top top of top of the class signings, proven signings. I don't, I, I don't think I think there's some way to go there. So, it's a sort of transitional period for Wigan. Actually, what will what will they do next year? Will it be a better performance? Who knows? But yeah, they got the win against Salford. I think Salford are ill-disciplined again. Although Wigan had t- two yellows as well. <laughs> Same with Salford, but you know you- you're gonna give yourself no chance if you just keep doing that. I'm afraid. Although they've just announced new signing, uh, Bodie Croft. They've got new halfback. Uh, sh- I'm sure they'll be hoping for a Jackson Hastings-esque. Uh, type player and he's on a two year deal uh, other results uh, Castleford beat Leeds is that Castleford's first win for some time I think it is yeah the, the last one on the 6th of July they have had two postponements in that time but yeah a whole month uh, without a win for Castleford which I mean well obviously uh Daryl Powell's going at the end of the season and they wanted this to be, you know, the big final performance sort of thing. They've already lost out in the Challenge Cup final. So, you know, that, that win's a step in the right direction, but they're going to have to win quite a few more, you know, if, if they want a big finish. Leeds, I've been impressed with Brad Dwyer recently. He's been he's been on good form. I think, I think Leeds Rhinos... They pro- they probably might. I think for me they'll miss out on the playoffs. For me, they could have a better coach. Some good signings for next year: Aidan Caesar and Blake Austin. But is is that going to be the difference? Who knows? For me, Conrad Hurrell, I think he doesn't for 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 the money he's on, and you know his reputation. He doesn't. He doesn't live up to that name, I'm afraid. He does it in certain games, but defensively, Conrad Hurrell, I mean, he can barely move. If there's a bit of a bit of death skill from the opposition, he ain't got a chance. So, for me, they could be doing better with a... Uh, St. Helens beat Catalan Dragons. Quite significant win, 34 points to 12. Although... It was a very uh, young-looking uh, Catalan Dragons team. So, the big top-of-the-table clash, we can't read anything into it because the Catalans had loads of players out. But, more debuts of French youngsters, I mean, that can only be good. It's, it's looking good for uh, French Rugby League right now. And St Helens, another team who... Are losing quite a few big names next year. Lachlan Coote's going, Kevin Nagama's going, so 
how will St Helens do next year and will will we see a, a, a bit of a change at, at the top? Also, Hull KR beat Lee. Quite controversial because one of Hull KR's tries, for me, it were a knock-on. Now, I've seen people saying either way, but uh, yes, he was facing his goal line, but I don't think that actually matters. The ball bounced on the floor and he picked it up again. It didn't move backwards, it stayed in the same position. You know, it, it would have done the same thing had he been facing the other way. For me, it was a knock-on. Very, very unlucky for Lee, because obviously Hull KR have been one of the better teams this year. I thought Gerard had a good game for Lee. Junior So, two tries for Junior So. But yeah, I think that was a cruel result. And I said last week, uh, I can't remember who it was, but... You know, when you come that close and you still lose, is that worse than losing heavily? I I guess it shows that they've got effort and they're still fighting. I think, and they've added quite a few players in now at Lee. So, I mean, that result's a step in the right direction, but you remember the week before where they lost heavily to Wigan. So, on that showing, the, the win ain't far off really, is it? The next few fixtures they've got Leeds, well, for me they they can they could beat Leeds, uh, given what we watched against uh, Hull KR. After that they've got Salford, that's winnable. Saint Helens, well, it depends what top type of squad Saint Helens put out. So the the next two fixtures are winnable, I I think, and if they do win those two games they'll only be two wins off safety providing Salford and Wakefield don't win which um, well that's a lot of ifs and buts but the chances are there's not going to be relegation this year anyway so they'll probably be they'll probably be fine and I think I think it's not fair if they do get relegated to be honest given the preparation, given the postponements, you know, everything has gone against Lee. Yes, they've played lots of games and they've probably not been as competitive as we would have hoped, but I think that's as much uh, the RFL's fault or Super League's fault, whoever's in charge, who knows who's in charge. Whoever ran that application process, you know, they were given no time, so... It's not entirely their fault, really. And obviously money's not an issue because Derek Bowman likes to flash it about. They've been searching for a bloody long time for players to no avail. And and, and they were sort of done over with that Huddersfield swap deal where one player actually didn't want to come in the end, so Huddersfield got two players and Lee got one, which was pretty ridiculous. But that, that's the way of the world, I suppose. So, yeah, unfortunate for Lee because, well, of a, for, for everything I've just said, Huddersfield beat Wakefield. Wakefield were winning at half-time. I think uh, Chris Chester were happy after the game. 
for Huddersfield, even though it's been a terrible start and they've lost 11 games, I think they still might have a chance of playoffs. Although it comes down to this win percentage thing, doesn't it? And Huddersfield have played quite a lot more than uh, Hull FC is in six for right now. They're on 35% wins uh, compared to 53% uh, for Hull FC, despite them being just one win uh, behind. Uh, and work this one out, Leeds have won more than Hull FC and Hull KR, but they're, they're lower down in the table. And yeah, they've had more chances to win games, so I get it from that point of view, but it's just it's just a bit... It's just season's mental, in it? And that were a lot. We would have spoke about Warrington and Hull, but that was postponed for COVID issues again. Uh, into Championship. Some interesting results. One postponement there. Batley lost to Featherstone, 13 points to 28. Batley were winning at half-time. And I think Batley were without quite a few players. Also... Uh, you'll remember, well, if you if you don't remember, we've had quite a few new listeners recently, actually, so thanks for uh, listening. If you like it, carry on. Tell your friends, whatnot. Uh, yeah, so a few episodes back, we had on Craig Lingard, head coach of Batley, and we were speaking about Jack Logan because he was on loan at Batley, and then Hull FC decided... Uh, they wanted to get him back and because at, it was at a time where they were short on numbers and he'd also performed quite well so they were going to see how he did now perhaps he didn't do as they would have hoped because he's he's gone out on loan again uh, but from speaking to Craig Lingard my understanding was that he'd be going back to battle it if uh, it didn't quite work out, so he was he was quite happy for it for him to go. But then I see he turns up at Lee Centurions, so I don't know how uh, Craig Lingard's feeling right now. But it it it'd be a bit um, I'd be a bit pissed off if it were me to be honest. But yeah, I think I think for ch- the championship now. Uh, the top two, it's a foregone conclusion, isn't it? It's going to be Featherstone and Toulouse in the grand final. Although, although, if if we're promoting two, um, yeah, because we're going to 14 teams, so, yeah, two are going to go up. Are they going to, yeah. So what's the playoff situation going to be there? Is Toulouse going to go up straight away? Is the gun... Yeah, I think that's how it'll work. Although, we w- we'll never know until... Until the until the day, probably. Maybe even... <laughs> maybe even after. Uh, yeah, so I, I reckon Toulouse will go up automatically. And then it'll be Featherstone versus the remaining teams in the playoffs. So who have we got? So, Featherstone, Halifax, Bradford, Batley, London. Whitehaven have gone really good this year. Seven wins, seventh place. Yeah, so, for me, 
well, Featherstone have lost once all year, and it was that was to Toulouse. So, and um, we did see uh, London beat Toronto way back, but it's unlikely, isn't it? It's going to be Featherstone and Toulouse. I can't wait for next year to be honest, because it's going to be a fourteen-team league. They're going to be different fixtures. We're going to have two French teams. Featherstone look a cut above, so. It, look, it looks like those two are going to be really competitive in Super League already, just on these squads. So when you add in the signings for the next year, I think it's going to be a very competitive season. And guess what? Four are going down. Uh, if we're led to believe these uh, restructuring reports, rumours, whatever they are. I don't, can you relegate? You can't relegate four teams. Come on. Uh, also, Halifax beat Newcastle, 14 points to 12. That were a close one. It was 12 nil at half time, so there was a bit of a fight back from Newcastle. Uh, London v Toulouse was on our league for free, which it makes the decision to not broadcast Toulouse Featherstone last week even more strange. But, you know, that's the RFL fire. It was a drubbing. It was 66 points to 6. London were pretty shoddy. Toulouse were just as they always are. Swinton and Oldham drew. Oldham were leading uh, going into those final minute. A, a draw does absolutely nothing for both sides. You know, Oldham needed that win and they didn't get it. I, I'm still saying that them two are going down because... You know, Oldham have got a win too, just to match what Dewsbury have got. So, it's looking unlikely. And it's proper gutting for Oldham, given that they came so close against London, they were full-time, and then they came so close against Swinton. But, that's the championship. Whitehaven won again, they beat Dewsbury. That were a close-run game, so Dewsbury who have been on a losing run uh, recently. Came close, but no cigar. York beat Widness. I think that's a good result for York, given all their trials and tribulations this season, because I think, despite Widness's terrible start, they've they've actually been quite solid after that poor start. Although they are 10th, and they've, it, they've won a third of their games, so they could, probably could be doing better. Into League One... Well, West Wales Raiders were winning for quite some time against Doncaster, who have been one of the better sides in League One, but they drew another team who drew still without that first win, but West Wales are a lot more competitive now, which is a good thing. Rochdale beat London Scholars, that were a high-scoring game, 38 points to 34, yet more... Uh, Upheaval for Rochdale, shall we say. Lots of loan signings. One's going in, going out. Good to get the win, I suppose, in those circumstances. Workington beat Keefley in a close-run game, 22 points to 18. North Wales Crusaders carried on their good form, winning 32 points to 16. And Barrow beat Hunslet again. Barrow win again. Hunslet fall out of the playoffs again, 
Rochdale are now into them. So it's it's all change in League One. And that were your lot for the the fixtures this week. Next week on the show, we've got Martin Bedis, who is the coach of Norway Rugby League. That's wheelchair. And, and we're discussing growing the game in Norway, funnily enough. Interesting story, that, because uh, Norway uh, wheelchair rugby league don't even have a team. So it's he, his role is very much from the beginning, literally from the beginning. And kind of reminiscent to uh, that great rugby league book, uh, No Helmets Required by Gavin Willisey where um, they basically build a, a, U, a US rugby league team from from nothing, which is what Martin Bettis is doing. Whether whether there'll be the same uh, turmoil and success, uh, who knows? If you've not read that book, do read it, because it's very, very interesting. If you're new to wheelchair rugby league, there's, there's a game on next week, uh, August the 15th, it's the Challenge Cup final, uh, Leeds Rhinos v Argonauts, and that I think that's a twelve thirty kickoff, uh, and it's on BBC. I think it's on the iPlayer and Sport website, whatever. So, a bit of wheelchair rugby to uh, watch, and f- featuring in that game will be Tom Halliwell, uh, England rugby league wheelchair captain, and. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, uh, episode seventeen, my guest is uh, Tom Halliwell. So, if you if you're interested, have a listen to that. It's a good story of how how he got into wheelchair rugby league and uh, becoming captain of England, getting his call up at age just sixteen. Good story. Anyway, I've gone on for far too long. So I'll see you next week.